imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total protonic reversal. Protonic reversal. Protonic reversal with Conan Neutron and Josh Davis. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Gigantic middle finger to everything that is rock about music, rock and roll, and cover power. The thing is, though, if you don't laugh, you're gonna go on a killing spree with shot and nails. Confidence of a hero or fool, I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed it is. It's a science thing. It's a science place you are here. It's the it's the one and only home of the... Protonic reversal. And we welcome you to it. It's been a while since they did that, huh? That's right. That's right. It's been a minute. Has. It's been a minute since I feel like we've been at, at occupying it. Oh, oh, full oh, power. There we go. Now I feel, I feel right. I feel correct. Yeah, something felt amiss in the, mm. the, the force. There was a disturbance in the force somewhere. Uh, but we're here. It's Protonic Reversal. Yes. Welcome to it. This is not the normal night we do the show. No, Josh. everything's everything's all wacky and, and weird. Wampus. Cow, uh, yes, a, a mishmash and a <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, uh, blunderbuss. I, I just know. feel like I had need a place to recombobulate after all of this. Uh, yeah, hey, mal- malarkey. <laughs> <laughs> and Milwaukee's the place to do it. Let hey, me tell you. Let me tell you. I'm gonna tell you, folks. When hey. I need some recombobulation. I go down to the recombobulation area at it's, General Mitchell Airport. It's labeled. <laughs> it's useful. God damn it! I get recombobulated when I'm there. God damn right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So we got a great guest. This is uh, who do we have? Who do we have today? Well, we've got uh, Mr. Rick Valentin of Poster Children and. Uh, yeah! And uh, Thoughts Detecting Machines, both of whom are relevant to uh, things we discuss on the show fairly recently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll you say. Know, yeah, saying, uh, you know, Poster Children, obviously, are, uh, we've gone over it before. They're the whole reason we know each other. Yes. On Down, and they have a new album out. They do. Oh, it's called Grand Bargain, and it certainly is. And uh, there's it's they, there was a video in our personal timeline. There's vi- was video mm. today of them stuffing said records into said mailers. Yeah, and uh, sending them off, which is which is I somehow decided to watch and was compelled by, even though I've been doing that almost nonstop myself. <laughs> I'm like, why is this interesting to me? Like, this is something I've been doing with some alarming degree of regularity, and I don't know. The only reason why is because I guess. It's them and not me. I guess I couldn't tell you. I don't really know. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's news to me. Uh, but uh, yeah, somehow it, it was interesting to me, which is not necessarily going to be interesting to you. But the new record, it's it's wonderful. Um, yeah, lots to talk about with Rick. I'm excited to do it. Yeah. Uh, why don't we listen to one of the songs off mm. of uh, Grand Bargain? Sounds like a fine idea. I feel like did, did we play did we play the title track? When Rose was on, I can't remember if we did. Uh, I don't remember if we did. I think we might have. I think we might have. Okay. Let's if we listen. played, if we played anything, we played that. Probably. So let's listen to uh, this is uh, Lucky Ones. Trying to find the past in the man from the 
crystal bed But there's a trace left underneath I always thought you were the lucky one I've always got
and faith We're gonna fill it up with people Who think and talk and look the same all right, there it is. That's Brand New Country off of Grand Bargain. And uh, before that, we had Lucky Ones, which is the uh, <coughs> third song on the new Poster Children record, also entitled Grand Bargain. Two Grand, G- two, Grand Bargain. Uh, two jammers. Yes. So if you're into jammers, <laughs> jam As, as, as many of us may be. As many of us may be. Indeed. indeed. I'm excited. I can't wait to get my package of... Uh, I went with the uh, need the vinyl and the cassette and the minifigures. Oh, nice! Yeah, minifigures, mini, aka minifigs. Yes. I, never, I never knew that was a thing. I, I never understood I, that as a term. I was, I was like, not aware, but there they were. I do not understand what a minifig is, and then I was like, oh, I see, it's a minifigure, aka minifig. But we gotta, yeah. you know, it's it's 2018. You gotta cut off as many syllables as you can. Move along with your Time life. Time is very precious. You That's understand. Right. I'm a very busy man. <laughs> Got a lot of things to combobulate. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll be we'll be back in a few minutes with uh, Rick, and we're going to talk about this record. We're going to talk about uh, other records, and we'll talk about a whole bunch of other stuff. So let's hear the uh, the title track of this record and get right down to it. I would say, how about that? Sounds How's fine, that buddy. sound? That sound okay? Yeah. Well, you know, it's your show. Goddamn right. <laughs> <laughs>
right, that's Grand Bargain. That's uh, the kickoff, kickoff track, leadoff track, starting yep. track. That is the first track <laughs> on their new album. Also entitled <laughs> Grand Bargain. Grand Bargain from the album Grand Bargain by the band Poster Children. <laughs> that's, uh, what is it? Uh, <laughs> Hocus Pocus. <laughs> by Focus. By Focus. <laughs> Wait, no, I messed that up. Okay. No. My classic so go-to is uh, Living in a Box by the band Living in a Box from the album Living in a, in a box. box. <laughs> so uh, you you had a uh, in a way you said earlier uh, during the break that you you felt that was first of all a kick-ass way to start a record, which I agree. Absolutely. With, but also that it's almost in some ways some of the most one of the most poster children-y of poster children songs, and that it hits several criteria, right? Yeah, it's got that uh, the classic uh, Rick uh, ranting sort of style that he does. He he, he, he sings and he rants. And that's the ranting style. It's got the uh, off kilter, uh, you know, uh, weird time signature happening, and uh, yeah, it really, it really. Uh, I'm glad that that's the uh, kickoff track. It makes a statement. It's definitely a, making a statement when you start off a record, and uh, the Push Children are known very much for doing that. And of course, uh, we'd like to at this time uh, welcome the head Poster Children, sure, the, <laughs> the lead Poster Child. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to abandon that I'm immediately. The, yeah, let that go. <laughs> I call myself the spokesman. The spokesman. Sure. There you go. Yes. The spokesman, uh, Rick Fountain. How are you doing, man? Thanks for being on the show. Good. Yeah, no problem. Thanks we were just for saying having that, me. Uh, we, played, of course, we played a few songs from... Uh, we played Lucky Ones. We played Brand New Country. And then we played the title track, which I believe we played in Roses on the show. But it's a bold statement to have that be the, the kickoff track, the leadoff track. And I feel like that was not an accident. <laughs> well, yeah, we we talked about it. It I I it took a, a bit of convincing the rest of the band. I think actually I think it was Rose's idea. And so, um, I, yeah, I wasn't sure about starting with that, or even calling the record Grand Bargain. But um, everybody convinced me it was a good idea. It was good to start. What other strong. record titles yeah. were kicking around? Was it was there any other uh, good rejected ones? <laughs> Like oh all, boy! All the songs, volume two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. There was. I can't remember. There was another one, but I can't remember what it was. Well, you don't necessarily want to say it because then you can't use it for a future record. That's true. Too. That's right. <laughs> the yeah the the outtake outtakes from this album. Rarities and basics. Right. <laughs> Which will be available sometime in 2026. I think. I think. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, but how fantastic! A new poster children record in the year 2018, and, and a very timely one at that. Uh, this record sounds very much of its time, and I mean that in a good way. I mean the fact that it's definitely supposed to be informed of current events and the uh, utterly exhausting nature of, of all of them. But not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I and so that's the thing is. Uh, I mean, some of those songs are from the summer or even earlier in 2016. So my worry was, is that the record, as we were working on it, we recorded half of it in like July of 2016. And I was thinking by November, this record's going to be irrelevant. And <laughs> Boy, wouldn't that be And nice. it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, and then uh, another year went by and I was like, oh, I feel like at some point, something's going to happen and things are going to change and this record's going to be irrelevant. And then even like a month ago, I'm like, oh, wow, something's going to change and this record's going to be irrelevant. And it, it, it has not happened yet. Right, right. Yeah, like, like you know, 
it, it'd be like this: someone like falling into a coma and then waking up and be like, "Oh, what? Trump? What are you talking about? He was struck by lightning in the middle of a, some speech he gave." Like, "Oh my God, really?" Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just that that degree yeah, of being out of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As long as, as long, you know, it, it is, it's a weird, it's a mixed feeling I have. It's like I wanted him to stay in office until the record came out, but I also wanted him to be gone, too. It, it's kind of like either option, you know, it's a, a devil's bargain, I yeah. guess. <laughs> yeah, one, it's the kind of thing where, from an artistic standpoint, uh, political art being, to a certain degree, always of its time, on some level, it'd be nice to, boy... Wasn't that hilarious? Have we have we whiffed it on that one? You know, wasn't that wasn't that great? How the, the country did okay, and then the art maybe didn't connect the way that it should have. <laughs> yeah. But that was that was the thing is is actually looking back at at the older records and you know the the punk rock or whatever it was the '80s covers record we did in yeah. 2004. What it was and and hearing that again and realizing oh it 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 all all comes becomes relevant again so it does. yeah I, I think it was one of the things where it was like when i was a little unsure about going pretty hard on the political bent for a lot of songs it was just like you know what it's it even if it becomes irrelevant in in a year it'll be relevant again in another year you know right. it, it, it just seems like a cycle so we have our political records and we have our non-political records and then depending on what what season it is you know, uh, the <laughs> right. will hold up, you know? Well, and I remember when we, when I saw you at the Altamaro's impeachment show, you know, and there was just, just like, oh, the leader. Yeah. And cause that's relevant again, even though it's been <laughs> forever. Yeah. It's like, oh no, that's totally relevant now <laughs> again. Yeah. It's, Ugh. yeah, it's a little depressing. <laughs> it is, but it's also something where, I mean, I think there's like more people kind of look at, political music as like having this sort of ephemeral nature and being instantly of its time. And that's not always the case. I mean, if you like, listen back to some of the Minutemen stuff, right. And like, it's, we're totally not in the same place at all politically as it was there, but it doesn't change the power of the songs or the fact that, yeah, you can find new relevancy to them or even the clash, you know, another, another yeah, example. It's sure. like, you know, change one word and it becomes incredibly relevant immediately. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and so that that helped to help me rationalize some of this. Well, and there's also something Minutemen specifically. Yeah, and there's also something to be said for you know, kind of the bravery of just going for it too, and just be like, "Hey, we're just gonna, screw you. This is just going to happen. Like, I need to like get these bad feelings out there, and I need to, <laughs> I need to like make yeah, my, and... my comment on it, make art out of it, because otherwise, I will potentially actually explode." Yeah, and I'm trying to remember because I I'm not a super big uh, folk music person, but I, you know, I wish I could remember um, the the Pete Seeger song though. It's like I heard a Pete Seeger song, and I'm like, wow, this is of its time. You could tell it was from like the early 1960s because of right. some of the reference points, but it was still powerful, and that was where it sunk into me. But it was also that you know, there's nothing wrong with writing music that is of its time, of its time yeah. and especially. Yeah, in this in this world where there's so much music and so much going by, and people can you know listen to one thing one day and listen to another thing the other day and never listen to the same thing ever again, right? So it's it actually makes more sense to do stuff in the moment now, even though everything you know you can find everything now from the past. 
but it kind of also makes sense to go the opposite direction is just say, oh, just make music in the moment and not even think about, oh, are people going to listen to this song in five years or care about it? Yeah. And, and yeah. And not that I spent a lot of time thinking about that <laughs> working on songs in the past, but right. it is something you start thinking about if you've been doing it for so long. It's just kind of like, oh, is this, does this even make sense in terms of, you know, longer term, you know, or is it just a, a in the moment song? But, well, but yeah, I, I kind of stopped thinking about it. Yeah, and you also kind of don't think of them in, the, in a similar way. You don't, you know, write something to like this is going to be timeless. You're just you're just doing right. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think if anyone is generally thinking, oh, this is going to be timeless, it's going to be somebody like Bono or something that's incredibly <laughs> full of themselves, and by almost by yeah. the paradoxical nature of. of of uh, you know the chaos theory of the universe, you'll be making very untimeless music by like trying to like, <laughs> you know, apply some weird set of criteria to something that you just can't define. Uh, really, yeah. even no matter how many sunglasses you wear. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I try to keep and and for our political songs, I mean they 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 they're appropriate for now, but I I think I keep them vague enough. Hopefully, I kept them vague enough. <laughs> oh for yeah. them. they're yeah. of the moment, but they're also. Hopefully, twenty-five years from now, they'll unfortunately will be relevant again. Mm. Oh, but that's what I want to say. I said it was kind of depressing, but it's also kind of positive. Where it's like, oh yeah, we go through these cycles where everything seems like it's going to be awful, <laughs> and then, and then, oh, things do get better again, and it just kind of goes back and forth. And yeah. so I, I think of it because right now we're in in a downturn, but it's like, oh, but it's not going to last. Hopefully, and, and see, right. I can't even say it without conditional uh, you know yeah. but it's it is it's true though it's like oh you know we survived reagan i remember that era so it's like uh i guess we survived but then again the more i talk about it, then i say well no we didn't really survive we're just we're, we're feeling it over and over and over again it's just sometimes we work our way out of it but it's right. also much, it comes back to haunt us it's, it's also it's also <laughs> much easier to acknowledges acknowledge losses and acknowledge things that are taken away and uh, downplay uh, wins and downplay things that are uh, movements forward as well. And it's I think that's human nature to kind of know yeah. what's been taken away from you rather than, than what you've, you've been able to provide. <laughs> but I, I think that there's there is as someone that, you know, <laughs> I used to characterize it as I follow politics like some people follow sports. But I feel like now yeah. everyone's following politics, but they're not really. They're following whatever the Trump administration is doing, which is not yeah. the same thing as following politics. So, like, it's it's a very yeah. difficult analogy. Because yeah. I feel like it's, now... Yeah, it's a lot more shallow. Like, yeah. specifically, I go out of the way not to mention the president's name because I feel... Well, first of all, I feel like he gets a, a huge raging three-inch boner every time somebody does it. So, you know, there's <laughs> one reason why. But I also feel like the the... Even people outraging... Which you know, good old liberals predictably will do every time uh, about whatever the thing of the day is, is all part of the plan. Yeah, because the idea is to yeah. completely exhaust people, and guess what? Everyone's exhausted, so they're doing a fantastic yeah. job of it. Because yet again, the liberals especially are are falling like right into, right into their uh, into the trap mm. by just acting very consistently liberal and like attacking all the normal things that they would attack, you know, a worship of decorum over, over all things, uh, and free speech absolutism, uh, while, you know, being incredibly selective about where you choose to apply that, especially if it has anything to do with class politics. Like it's just, it's just, it's, it's very frustrating to me in a very real and palpable way 
that this is the way that we're choosing to play ball with this and not everybody is but from a larger perspective i feel like we should be doing better which i guess it says more to my character than anything else that (laughs) i at least think there's a possibility for people to do that rather than all hope is lost but uh what i had a point with this i don't remember what it was but (laughs) but there was there was a great article and i was i was just i was just reminded of this article because actually joe from the aesthetics and fugazi you know, stayed at our house the other day and he was talking about living in Italy and how he, he said it, it's like, like what America is becoming, you know, just kind of the corruption and the, you know, mm-hmm. uh, everything like that. But somebody was saying like, it's like Berlusconi in Italy. They were saying, this is how you survive somebody like this. And this is what, right. what they did wrong in Italy. The liberals did is that they reacted superficially to everything that Berlusconi did and said. And he basically stayed in power because they were wasting all their energy on the the surface and um, instead of focusing on real change and affecting change and not reacting to the the controversy of the moment right and, and I keep forgetting that I wish I could find that article because it was it was like came out right after the election and it was just like this is dead on this what's is happening how you battle this don't get yeah it's happened already in Italy. Yeah don't get caught up in, in the superficial stuff. And yeah, I feel like we obviously have, but it's, it's, it's a thing to remember is like, you have to keep your head not down, but keep, keep your self going forward and trying to fight every sort of actual, you know, um, systemic change that's happening or try to make systemic change rather than focus on the the superficial. Yeah. Keep your focus tight and your powder dry. Yeah. 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 And, and I think that, you know, that's something that, God, like the cable news networks are just the absolute worst, too. It's like, hey, here's the latest thing today that Michael Cohen said, and here's 16 people to, like, talk about how terrible it is and how stupid it is. And it's like, well, who is this serving yeah. exactly? Like, who is this for? Yes. I mean, it's just like, it's a sideshow, really. It's a distraction. It's a sideshow. And... Packing up Josh Davidson. <laughs> is that Rose back there? We just got a Rose, yeah. She just came in. She's packing Josh's... Uh... Uh, package right now <laughs> wonderful awesome. but it won't it probably won't go out for a, a day or two we're kind of uh but but it's being boxed up as ah. we speak thank you very much conan years yeah conan's got boxed up a while ago rose and jim are in the other room boxing records doing all the work oh so we we're actually but to be fair no go ahead yeah, i did i did work i did work over the weekend there you now, go. now Rose is. Now I got Rose back. Now she's not working. She's here to fight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sounds like she'd be in cable news. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and I, I, okay. I felt bad for interrupting post children productivity, but you know, I think this is something that's absolutely valid and promos are part of it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. It's all. <laughs> when you get that protonic reversal bump, boy, let me tell you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're tracking everything. <laughs> That's we got it in the uh, the headquarters here, the control uh, station. <laughs> so how We're so how does everything. it feel with this record? That again, and to, to be clear. Yeah, you know, that's not like a put on. This isn't some like, you know, extravagant bit. You guys are literally boxing up records and sending them out. Uh, yeah. Mini <laughs> mini figure mini figs. Mini as, they're, figs. as they're now known because everything was pre abbreviated because everybody's everything's so busy now that we yeah. don't have yeah. time to say mini figurines. Say extra syllables, yeah. <laughs> I'm just exhausted thinking about how much work that would be saying those two oh, words. Geez, you're kidding me. <laughs> uh, so it's it's definitely the sort of DIY or die ethos. This is like you guys doing all of that work, and that's something that 
you know, you've been known to do now and again, and you've had uh, partnerships with larger entities that have done that, and you've been in the more like, yeah. hey, we're doing it all ourselves kind of thing. Does it have any kind of, you know, not necessarily history repeating, but it rhyming <laughs> in some way kind of kind yeah. of aspect to it? A little bit. I mean, we. that's the thing is um, the last time we put out a, a new record was – what 15 years ago and so yeah we didn't do mail order ourselves i don't think yeah we didn't do any of the mail yeah. order we i think it was yeah parasol records in champagne did it all for us and so i mean we had done mail order you know in the really early days with our label but it's it's really it's been <laughs> this is the first time we've put out a new record um out of our basement in a very long time yeah it's like it's probably I mean, we did put out the re-release of the record and had to mail all those out. This is different, though. This is a lot more stuff. Yeah, this it's is a lot more formats, all that kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> it seems like there's a lot more to it, and and in that way that you know, a lot of people, especially people that don't have to do that kind of work, are very fond of saying like how great it is <laughs> that you could do it, and it is great. Except for there are times that I feel personally that's not so great, especially when I'm doing it every month. Uh, it's like, oh my <laughs> yeah. god, it's enough. But yeah. That's the thing is, I, like, I, I really love, I actually love the putting everything together, all, like printing out postage, keeping track of everything. I really like that. And I was just saying, and I don't think Jim and Rose were that enthralled with this idea, but I was like, or just enthralled with the, the whole process. But it's like, I would love to just do this all the time, like run a record label in, and be able to, you know, organize all that stuff and releases and everything like that. But the only problem is, is I don't, I can't afford to do that. You know, <laughs> money, like, money, money. Yeah. If somebody gave me a million dollars to blow and I could just put out records and stuff them and design them and then, and then, uh, you know, uh, uh, put them in the mail and bring them to the post office. I could do that every day and not have to worry about going broke. That would be wonderful. But <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, it's, it's, it has to be more of a hobby than a, than a real thing. But for some reason, I don't know, what it is about it. I just love, I love the repetitive nature of it again, though. It is only once or twice a year that it happens, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. you're doing like a single every month or something like that. All of a sudden it, it becomes Ugh. a lot more intense. Yeah. They, they, the guild is already <laughs> off the lily, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, how much exactly. longer am I chained to this thing? <laughs> right. Christ, what was I thinking? Oh boy! Uh, but I mean, one first of all, everybody, please do not send your demos to Rick. He will not put them out. Uh, just so we're clear, <laughs> exactly. That's the that's the the key here is I do not have the money for that. Right? right. I would love I'd love to put out everybody's record and everything like that. Or what I could do is, I, if you pay me money, I will put out your record. Right? Yeah. That's go. that's the classic uh, vanity label thing, right? Where, yeah. Where it's like, oh yeah, for for ten thousand dollars, I will give you. 100 CDs and 100 vinyl and send them out. There you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Total boss. Don't do that, kids. That's a, if somebody offers you that deal, don't do it. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. that. That sounds, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was so, I was like, where can I, well, no. I'm, I, was, no I was seeing like three different parallel lines of conversation well. that could go there, it's, including one that was very nasty and name names, and I didn't want to do it. <laughs> um, but I will say, I would say, though, that. Uh, Particularly since the last since the last time you guys put out a record, that the infrastructure is now in place, and so you guys did yeah. pledge music for this one. Ah, yeah, um, yeah. Was curious to hear about your how how that worked for you and how how it how it went. 
It's okay. I, I think the big struggle we had when we did the Daisy Chain re-release is that people didn't know, some people didn't know when they ordered it that it was a pre-order. And so with Pledge Music, there was kind of the built-in understanding, I think, that yeah. it's a pre-order and it's a pre-order <laughs> process. Yeah, yeah no, that, um, that was pretty clear, I thought. I, I think there are some good things and bad things about it. I think, I think in terms of the, I don't want to, I don't want to be overly negative. No, please, uh, it, it, it worked out. It's worked out great. It worked out great. Um, I think it's more suited for bands who haven't DIY'd it before, right? So I'm beginning to understand they're kind of two different um, systems that sort of have developed in, like I would say, just e-commerce in general, right? So something mm-hmm. like Bandcamp. Um, where it's very DIY, you, you put the stuff up and you box it up and you sell it and everything like that. It's all built around that kind of, you're shipping out everything yourself. I feel like, um, pledge music to me seems more of a model where it's like bands who used to have a record label that did everything for them. Right. All of a sudden they don't have the record label, but they have a lot of fans. Pledge music, pledge music is something where you can just plug in and they'll say, okay, we're going to. This is going to be how you do the promotion of it. Um, we'll, we'll post all this stuff. We'll right. um, put together packages with all this merchandise. And then we've got fulfillment partners that will, um, you know, send out all the stuff. And we've got manufacturers who will manufacture all the stuff for you. Oh. And so mm, um, okay. I think we were a little, little, uh, little square peg little square peggy with it because it was like well no we're gonna we're gonna ship all the stuff out and it's like oh no we'll do the manufacturing we got a friend who can manufacture this so we'll get the t-shirts made and so it it's it worked out fine but um we were a little unusual again once again it's just kind of the same process <laughs> but i think it's a great i think it's a great system basically like you know like like gary newman says i want to put out a new record and he's kind of doing it himself or with his management company and i don't know if this is true He's probably not, but like Judas Priest, I'm trying to think of who was on like these huge bands that are on Pledge Music now. Oh yeah, like I think it was Judas Priest, you know. And it's like Judas Priest yeah, yeah. is not, not probably not. Uh, maybe I don't know if they do or not have a label deal, but it's like, oh, no. how are we going to raise money to, to make the record, or how are we going to promote pre-sale the record and everything like that? And I, I think Pledge Music is really great for them to put together a campaign because they don't need a record label, but they still aren't going to be in their basement. Right. Yeah. Like, Hal- Halford's not going to be half, sitting there half with my the band uh, is right now. Yeah. With, with, with the tape gun, you know, taping up the records. <laughs> yeah. Can you hear the tape gun? Cause that's the sound. That's the only sound that's carrying over from the other room. Is that <laughs> sound from the tape gun. It's a very distinctive sound for the, for those that know. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that's interesting that, uh, and that's something that, uh, our, not last show's guest, but guest before that, uh, Falco from Future of the Left, who's been on the show so many times I've actually lost count. But that's what the uh, Future of the Left has done for the past couple records as well. Mm. And yeah, I, it, it's interesting to me that ha- idea of like having that architecture kind of like built in as part of the package. Whereas for me, I, I, I kind of, I don't know if I bristle at it exactly. I just kind of like wouldn't think of that as being something that would be necessary. But then you have. Yeah, yeah, you're kind of serving two masters here. That you have maybe these kids that are seeing some success because maybe they got like a review on Pitchfork or they're you mm. know trending on Snapchat or whatever the hell's going. You know, people are up to these days, and they don't know anything about any of this. And you know, maybe they don't care, but they're told like, "Oh, well, if you do this, you can sell this stuff, and that can fund you going out and going on tour and doing this and that." And then you have like, yeah, the more legacy acts, the like the pre-established 
got in before the world changed stuff where there's maybe yeah. not a place for them anymore in the major label world, but they still have, you know, thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of fans that will like buy whatever the hell they put out, uh, just because of, you know, brand name yeah. loyalty mm-hmm. almost mm-hmm. that it's weird to yeah. think about that being kind of like multiple, <laughs> like a, a upper middle class and a lower middle class of, of music coming at it from, <laughs> You know, yeah, without necessarily kind of using similar tools, but with different end goals from both of them. Mm. Yeah. And so that was always my thing, too. Yeah. Where you were saying kind of like about bristling about it. And it was I was always like, well, you know, like other bands would be like, well, why aren't you involved? Why did you just let somebody make a video for you? Why? Why aren't you doing the cover art? Why aren't you? You know, what do you mean? They just that's the cover art that they gave you, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But I, I really realized that it's like, oh, that's just me. It's like I'm interested in all that stuff, right. yeah. but other musicians are actually more devoted to just making music, and so it's like, oh, <laughs> manufacturing records, mailing out records, you know, uh, working on videos, working on cover art, all that kind of stuff is superfluous. They're actually more focused <laughs> on the one thing that they want to do, which is music, and so it's like I, I've learned to at least not, you know, be at least personally like when i'm talking to someone not be judgy and like why why did you let someone do that you know and it's like i know (laughs) i understand now it's like not everyone is like me and so it's like some some people are are yeah into that kind of stuff because you know all these i was just thinking about this too all these lists of like people's 10 favorite records or whatever and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff seeing that stuff go by and i realized that for me um like I would never put a record on a top 10 list unless I really also liked the cover art. And so that's yeah. also where it's like, yeah, like, man. like you mm. can't be, it can't be a top 10 record unless it also has a package that went with it. That was epic also. Right. Or at least in some way, you know, was unique. Right. And so it's, mm. it's obviously like there's, there's, I've got a screw loose, which is that I'm not just thinking about music, right? It's like I'm also thinking about packaging or presentation. the whole whole thing around it. Yeah, presentation. But to me, you know, like somebody like Peter Seville who did all the, you know, factory record yeah. stuff and yeah. you know, it's like, oh, that's just as important as the the music itself. So it's just part of yeah, just well, just I don't know, my mix of graphic design and music interests. Sure. I I mean, the thing is if it, if it was just the music, you could just put it up on Bandcamp and not even worry about a physical you know, a physical uh, uh, object at all necessarily. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's 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 all part of the whole presentation. And it's, I guess it's a generational thing too. Is like when when it was all vinyl. That was and at that time you didn't have you a choice. Getting records and yeah. yeah, you that was the only way that you got anything more than music. Like maybe a band would have a video and yeah. I mean, I remember the video era, but it was like the most direct form of communication well was the music obviously but then also sitting in the store looking at the cover art and going oh i think this looks really cool i think i will buy it oh yeah totally (laughs) and 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 so it's yeah six finger satellite i did that with a six finger satellite record i thought it looked cool i was like wow that looks yeah that looks crazy i want to listen to that (laughs) and it was uh that that was the the uh, the second one, the, the second record, and it was badass. I loved it. Exposure? Yeah, I was, yeah. I was like, and I was like, that looks amazing. What is that? I want to know more about it. That reminds me, though, what is it? the pigeon is the most popular bird, which yeah. I love. 
<laughs> loved the name when they I remember them saying that that was going to be the name of the record yeah. and everything but then that cover art I remember being really upset with the cover art <laughs> where it's like the 1950s looking monster and eyes. yeah and then the, the choice of typeface I got I was like ah oh, you guys do really good stuff but this one I'm not sure about this one <laughs> I, I had the that t-shirt perfect and the music was perfect but yeah yeah worse is a t-shirt and yeah I guess it was okay it just when you said that I, I'm reminded of the that that record going wow i think that could have looked better yeah the the, the <laughs> that record and the one after it were fantastic for art but that that the pigeon is uh, it's not their finest moment for our work for sure and then the one yeah. the, the one that everyone kind of forgot about after that that law of ruins record it's super cool looking like it, it, oh, is, it looks way better than it sounds yeah it's you know there's there's <laughs> <laughs> there you go there's like three great songs on it you know but it's definitely like i wanted to give that more of a benefit of the doubt because it looks so badass yes. you know and it's yeah. something to be said for that but I, I feel like that's also, Definitely. you know, I, I think that there's an age of, of, of people that just don't care about that at all. Like, it just doesn't matter that yeah. in any way. I mean, all it is is like a small little thumbnail on a screen that they that they hit to hear the thing, you know? So does it pop in that same way for them? I don't know. I mean, I've seen some dumb record covers lately where I'm like, really? That's your record cover? You were like, yep, that's it. Print them. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> I, I just don't seem to give a damn. I don't know, and I, I, or maybe just let's put it this way: the tastes are wildly different from mine. How about sure. we put it that? Maybe there are ones that literally look. Yeah. It looked like somebody's like, uh, we need to cover. Like, uh, here, take three things that are nearby, put them together, and put the name on it. Done. I'm like, that's it, yeah. huh? That's, that's. Oh, you mean like the first Cure album? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not the first time that's happened, but uh, I feel like that's become. Dirigor, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Correct. And that's, I don't know, I don't want this to turn to like old people yelling about the way things used to be or anything, but <laughs> I just feel like we're but, right on the precipice. You know, I mean, yeah, but then again, the kids are buying the vinyls, so it's true. It's true. They, they like the artwork, and it's something like only 50% of vinyl now purchased is actually even opened and listened to, so they're buying, they're buying the, the image and the beauty of it, so, yeah. the, of the artwork, so it's, it's, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's, definitely swung around i think yeah the there was kind of like that no man's land for a while where it was just like the cover art was was completely unimportant and then um but now with people realizing that they like vinyl still it's 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 coming back well and it's almost like that pokemon style mentality right of like oh no you gotta gotta get it you gotta get gotta get this one it's a limited edition it's like well yeah do you? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you want. Sure. Well, <laughs> and that's where like sub pop and things like that were really prescient where, you know, yeah, the yeah. collector, the yeah. collector vibe. They nailed it. Yeah. Well, and speaking of that, though, when you guys w- 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 was maybe pledge music part of it or just the idea, like when you had the different um, other things that you offered along with the like the, the vinyl record, the cassette, the CD, the minifigs, the this, that, the other thing, what, what was there something that kind of enabled that or kind of put that thought in? I mean, they, yeah, they, they're definitely into that idea of bundling and packaging. And so I think we were already going to do the minifigs, but we were like, oh, yeah, we should do minifigs. But the one thing we never thought of, <laughs> which is an obvious thing, is, oh, people will buy bunches of things bunched together, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And I guess that's because we're not super – super focused on, you know, maximum. And, and also when you talk about the collectible thing, that's, that was always kind of something that bugged me. Like speaking of factory records, it's just like, Oh, like every different version, like there'd be three different versions of a new right. order single and different formats yeah. and from different countries yeah. and everything <laughs> like that. And, and 
And it, I started, I would get angry about that. And so I kind of have a mixed feeling about collectible stuff. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I like, I like people being able to get everything without having to buy like three different versions. Right. So it's like, Oh, the CD has an extra track and then the vinyl has a different extra track and Oh, or the vinyl has a single inside it and, and all that kind of stuff kind of bugs me. But yeah, I think I went too far the other direction or that direction where it's kind of like, well, no, but people will happily buy a CD or vinyl and, and a CD and a t-shirt and minifigures and, uh, uh, a patch, right? And I, I never thought, oh yeah, we should just package it all together. And you know, when you're when you're playing shows, people obviously come up and say, oh, I'll buy one of each of these things oh, and sure, put yeah. it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But actually, thinking of it as a package and saying, oh, hey, buy that. Yeah, that was that was something that uh, we didn't really think about. And the pledge music thing was really they're they're totally about that. Like, oh yeah, do hats, do this, do that, do everything. And they're like, mm. okay, well, we'll do a few things, but. Um, yeah, so definitely that 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 uh, idea of the package, yeah. right, was something we hadn't played with before. Well, yeah. on, on that same note, and I normally wouldn't turn this back around, but <clears throat> for Victory and Associates, we decided just in our in, in, incredibly too smart for our own good way, we decided what the most absurd merch item to bring along would be. And we decided to be something that had absolutely nothing to do with the actual music, and we decided the best possible thing would be collector's plates. And we... <laughs> And we had these collector's plates made up. We had 30 of them made up. And with the thoughts, like, okay, we'll sell, like, maybe one or two and, like, whatever. We just, yeah. we're the guys that made the collector's plate. And that's a, you know, funny, haha, that's a funny thing that, you know, we had. Uh, sold out after the first three shows. Yeah. And that was, and it's amazing. And I was like, really? That's, that's, that's the thing, huh? Like, I mean, <laughs> they're not cheap either. They weren't cheap. And people, people no. loved them. They loved it. Loved it. Yeah. You never know. And that's the thing too, is like I, I don't buy lots of stuff. I buy lots of stuff, but I don't I've kinda gotten out of the habit of buying things just because they're cool. Like I've worked my way out of that that yeah. habit, right? Like I I'd look at a collector plate and I go, Ooh, I should buy that and then I say to myself, Well no, it's gonna fill your house is filled with stuff already and you're gonna have another thing. <laughs> right? Yeah. Exactly. So I, exactly. I yeah. still have the urge to buy cool things that have no practical use. Right. But I, I try to subsume it. And so, yeah. It's, so again, it's my, my bias there. And I was like, but no, but not everyone's I in that same place. Though. Of, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> People love to buy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and love to impulse buy and, and, and it's like, or just some something neat and weird and unique that they're going to have in their house and that people will talk uh, a conversation piece, yeah. right? And so it's like, okay, yeah, I understand that. I bought stuff like that, and so yeah, it's it's getting getting used to the idea. But this kind of goes, and not to not to dwell talking talking to Joe again from the aesthetics, <laughs> where it's like they're selling T-shirts and the merch booth and everything like that. Those guys, like Joe and. Uh, Brendan, since they were in Fugazi, and Fugazi never had merch, they never had that experience, but now they're doing that. Yes. Right? And they were like, oh, wow, it's really weird. And I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. Like, this at is some new point, I realized I was, yeah, at some point when I was touring full time, it was like I realized I'm a t shirt salesman. I'm not actually right. a musician, right? <laughs> so right. Yeah, yeah. Like you're like, you start doing the numbers and you're going, oh, wow, I make just as much money or maybe more selling t shirts than I do playing music right but it's it's so so there's a little bit of conflict there where it's like oh yeah you're but it, it, again it goes back to that whole thing is you're not it's not just the music it's this whole cloud and 
Well, and, yeah. and on that note, it's funny that, you know, because when we played with the Mesthetics and Conan Neutron, the Secret Friends, like someone came up excitedly, wanted to like buy one of the, one of the CDs. And I was like, oh, you know, I don't know. I don't know where the prices are. <laughs> and then the, literally the first thing that came to mind is, of course, a band that has members of Fugazi didn't think to put the, the price list out. <laughs> you know, something as, as simple right. as that. Yeah. <laughs> as simple as that. <laughs> And it was yeah. it was yeah, definitely no. like funny, yeah. Like talking to those dudes and like Brandon being like, "Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, this is this is a whole new thing. Like I'm not used to this piece of it at all." I'm like, <laughs> I just sort of like kind of cocking my head and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I guess it would be new for you, huh?" Yeah, but, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, Total it's, like like yeah, icons of the DIY lifestyle, but that that whole whole um, aspect of it, the the the, the merch booth, right? Yeah. The, merch table at the end of the night and and talking to people across the merch table it was not a part of their their thing and yeah, yeah it's like one one strange blind spot <laughs> well <laughs> and, and it's it's it was hilarious to me because he was like yeah it's it's inter- it's interesting how it gives people something to do or something uh or a way to interact and i was like oh yeah so it's like and of course i immediately cut right to the the most dickheaded possible interpretation of that is oh so all these people that have nothing to say have something to say to you uh, <laughs> <laughs> well i i'm sorry but you know what i'm talking about someone yeah. comes up and just are doing like the, the chris farley bit of the hey man uh, yeah, yeah that thing you do yeah. it's really great man i love it and you're like oh thanks thanks and then then it, it just lingers longer than it needs to and you're like all right, anything else because there's a bunch of other people here can <laughs> yeah yeah but I, I thought that was pretty funny that like yeah it, and it's, it's also true yeah, no yeah but i love uh, yeah i love structured communication pathways you know that's my favorite thing that's why i'm a professor right <laughs> yeah. like so right i have a structure to talk to people as opposed to just having to randomly talk to people without any kind of uh parameters you know it's like oh so the merch booth is perfect for someone like me where it's like oh i can go and i can talk to this person and and i have a reason to be there as opposed to just walking up to them and saying hey that was really great yeah or can i have a record yeah yeah um but yeah i mean and and, and I, I i appreciate that kind of thought too when i was thinking about it when i was going to the uh to, to the uh, page to order my package that is currently getting packaged and just looking at it and you know, considering like I want this or I want that and kind of talking like talking myself in or out of certain things where it's just like looking at me like do I really want to get the tape and I oh yeah yeah, st- yeah I step back and look at myself like dipshit you just went on eBay and ordered a copy of Junior Citizen buy the tape <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna want it <laughs> yeah 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 you gotta indulge yourself Especially if it it lines my pockets, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and, and that's. Our, it, no, and to be ahead. fair, Chris, Chris who runs Lotus Pool, it's it's his. He's he's the one who's putting out the record. It's yeah. It's definitely has been a expensive proposition. So the money is going going back to the record. We're we're all that. That's our joke. Is like we're. We're all uh, going to quit our jobs because of the uh, the massive amount of money we're making off yes. of the music business in the Definitely. in twenty twenty eighteen. Yeah, yeah. I, I've read a couple of think pieces about that, so I think it's definitely <laughs> the next thing that's going to happen. <laughs> I was like, really? Who's who's having that? I mean, I'm I feel I like break even. I feel like I won the lottery. Oh yeah. I mean, Jesus. Yeah, dude. exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm more like, oh, I, I still have money to make another record in two years. Great, fantastic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great place to be. Yeah. So, yeah. how do you feel about? Because I feel like there's an entire 
uh, Epoch has, has passed since Poster Children was an, an active touring entity. And just this concept that has been exacerbated by uh, social media of, hey, we're announcing these two dates of, of places that we're going to go. And then suddenly, uh, you know, play Phoenix, uh, oh, yeah. play Bellingham, play Hawaii, <laughs> play Brazil, play yeah. Mars. Everyone like, it's like, God, come on. Yeah. Come on now. Really? <laughs> And I feel like that was probably well, always the case, but people were maybe the people didn't necessarily have that avenue of communication to yeah. immediately and thoughtlessly throw that out there. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah, and and so it's yeah, it's it's definitely nice, but then it's always the kind of thing like, well, yeah, we can play there, but it'll just be you to right. come, who comes. Yes, right. So, it's, it's right. so some of it is, well, yeah, we'll we'll come. It's some of it is like, can we? carve out enough time to go to this place right that's mm. that's the big issue now actually it's more of like a, oh a time consideration how are we gonna, yeah these four grown-up people uh across the country at the same time yeah over the course of a few days that's that's a nightmare in and of itself but then honestly it's like oh yeah you know uh there, there are certain towns where i think if we tried to play there, yeah, it would be very, <laughs> there wouldn't be a lot of people there too. So it's, yeah, it's, it's great. I think the technology and everything like that gives you an idea of where people are. Like as we're going through this mailing list and mailing out stuff, right. We know, Oh, oh sure. this, yeah, of course we know. Oh, wow. Okay. There are a lot of people. I didn't think about that. Oh, we should probably play there. But then there's, there's the other side. Yeah. Where everybody can say, Oh, Hey, play my, play my house. Yeah. Right. <laughs> For like a pizza. Um, yeah. <laughs> Be right over, yeah. Yeah, the pizza's fine. I would love to play your house, but logistically, I find that infeasible. <laughs> and of course, if we had gone full on into the pledge music thing, it would have been. It would have been like, oh yeah, for twenty thousand dollars, we'll we'll play at your house. Oh, but that's right, again, right. I, That was the one thing I offered. I don't, no one took me up on it. That was my joke. It was like guitar lessons, right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Guitar I thought that was very funny for me. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was like, oh, you get to you get to show me how to play guitar as opposed to me, you know, being a guitar. But I, I, I almost guess it's just funny as a joke. Yeah, I I, I, I thought seriously about going for that uh, pledge <laughs> level, but then I realized I only have like one thing I could show you, and then it'd be like, well, lessons yeah. over, <laughs> money well spent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's a cool thing, I but it's it not was, like yeah. that much money cool. <laughs> Right, right, exactly. I think it, it worked better as a joke than an actual <laughs> right thing that people would spend money on. But I think that that's a joke that's very right down the line for your audience, of which both of us are, of course. That it's it's there's a certain type of kind of you know avant-garde smartass sort of humor yeah. that I think kind of comes naturally with being a poster children fan, and a lot of that kind of comes I think off of the fact that you did take this authorship of every part of the band whether it's you know the you guys doing like the cover art and and the packaging I mean writing the uh the CD-ROM content on the CDs which mm, for yeah. for the younger listeners there used to be these things called CDs what and there used to be <laughs> additional enhanced content on these CDs <laughs> you're kidding <laughs> <laughs> But uh, you know, we like uh, when when Rose was on, we briefly talked about you know the fact like like learning like this these programs and like putting this this additional content in to uh, mm-hmm. kind of give the the fan like a, a a different sort of experience and a more like I guess I'm I'm doing I'm I'm going out of the way to not say a value added experience, <laughs> but I'll say a value added experience <laughs> <laughs> to just listening to the record. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I, I think it kind of goes back to that 
yeah, so once once the the vinyl thing kind of was was drifting off, and so you didn't have that space to do you know interesting you know design for your your record and mm-hmm. everything like that, and then people were also starting to to you know uh, file share and everything like that having having extra content made sense you know and and so it was more like oh what makes this worth <laughs> worth buying you know it's like oh yeah we should have we should add something into it you know so it is whether you call it value added or just extra stuff you know it's like oh yeah it was it was a perfect opportunity to to put some extra stuff in in a in a in a CD, you know, yeah. as opposed, you know, there's only so many, you know, I guess you could have a booklet like a 20 page booklet with your CD or something like that, but that that always seems, I yeah, that would that seemed like a lot of work. Oh, I guess yeah. making enhanced CD content is a lot of work too, but for some reason that that seemed to be uh, easier. Well, I guess because it was cheaper, you know, you're like buying, making you're a, buying a gigantic, book buying equipment yeah. Yeah, necessarily. Just, <laughs> right, just right, that, right. Extra data space on the CD. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's room, and we can just fill it up. Yeah, <laughs> and that's yeah, because that's man. There's some records that came out in the '90s where it's like oh, you really took advantage of the extended length. Didn't oh you? boy, <laughs> <laughs> maybe you should have not done yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, like which I I think is the first time I ever experienced that. Boy, this record is great. When the hell is it going to be over? Uh, phenomenon. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 75 what was it 65 what's the limit 75 minutes 65 minutes seven like, i think yeah yeah it was just like oh yeah who's yeah. looking for that come on <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean i i can i can barely thing, pronounce I, mini I love, figurine how how am i looking for that yeah <laughs> i mean i love i love sandinista and i love london calling but if i'm honest with myself i only listen to one album's worth of either of those yeah. records right, right. right it's like it's like when you have it on CD, you realize, wow, there's a lot here, you know, and it's like, I, I, I can dig deeper later and everything like that. But as a listening experience, there was always something nice about a side of vinyl. That was a yep. nice, good, easily digestible amount of time. And the CD definitely made it uh, a lot more, yeah. a lot more work. So, so has it, some- right, right. And so has that changed your ideas about sequencing and about where you put things uh, in the course of presenting something as an album of where they go on the album, per se? We've always, I think we've always used vinyl as the template for sequencing, even when it wound up on CD and stuff, our records that came out only on CD, just because, I don't know, that's, at least for me, that's the way I always thought about records, um, like how to structure them. And I can't, I don't, I don't have a map in my mind for a CD, like an arc for a CD, whereas vinyl, it's, it's really easy. It's like, oh, you start out with a strong song and then you work your way. Oh, what's a good ending of side A? Mm-hmm. And then, oh, what's a yeah. good starting of side B song? And then what's a good ending of side B song? And then you just fill in the middle. Whereas like, if it's just like, oh, we've got 65 minutes, 75 minutes. How do we, that's, that's like a novel, I guess. Right. As right. opposed to, or I don't know what it is. It's just like my brain cannot uh, sequence an album uh, it as a, con- a continuous thing, I have to hack it in half and have have beginning and ends of two sides, and that that to me is somehow I can I can do a sequence that way. Yeah. But now I don't think it matters. I mean, it matters if somebody sits down and listens to the vinyl. Now it's like it's that, and I was always this way. I I I did jump around a lot on records, and I had a record. I always talk about this. I had a record player that could. Uh, sense where the gaps were and oh, yeah, you could, yeah. you could oh, program yeah. in yeah. yeah you could program in which songs you want to listen to so I was already 
kind of uh, being selective about um, albums and what I listen to. And even that, it's like I always talked about how great New Day Rising is, is like a perfect album. And then I realized, oh, wow, on my cassette of New Day Rising, I have the first 12 songs. But that record's got, I think it's got 15 songs. And it's like, it does, yeah. I, I put it on, yeah, I left <laughs> off the last three songs. And it's like, oh, it's a great record. But it's not the record I think of it is is this amended version or this this edited version that I did and and so now everybody can listen to everything and so the idea that somebody's going to necessarily listen to all the songs on your record um is 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 rare I think like unless they sit down and they care <laughs> or you know they're yeah. they, they're invested yeah. in it or they get it right they order it and they get it and it shows up and they they listen to it on vinyl or listen to it on CD, right? But a lot of people, you know, just one song will pop up and somebody else's song will pop up. And so that idea of continuity, um, I definitely still think about it when I'm sequencing a record, but I also know that there's a, a large number of people who are only going to pick and choose, cherry pick what they want to listen to, and they might just kind of randomize it and only hear you know, somebody might a year later hear a song off of our new record that you didn't even know. They downloaded it, put it in their, or yeah, put it in their chunk of music to listen to, and then they uh, forgot all about it. Um, and there it is. Hey, well, yeah, what's yeah. This? And then they, oh, the, wow, I haven't heard this song. Oh, wow, this is on that record. I didn't know that. Right? <laughs> I, yeah, I've yeah. totally done that, by the oh, way. Yeah. Not with you guys, but I've absolutely yeah. done that and been like, what? What is this? This is pretty cool. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is nice. That, that would happen with vinyl too, though. It's like I'd, I'd listen to a record when I buy it, and I, I didn't know all the songs on it, and I'd listen. Maybe I'd listen to it all the way through once, and then I go, ah, I, I like the songs on on the A side better, and I'd listen to all those, and then like a year later, I'd flip it over and realize, oh wow, this the side B is actually really great too. So I guess that's always happened. Yeah, I get like that when I'm buying a bunch of records in at one time. And then I kind of go through them and just like, this is good, this is good. And then I just kind of put them aside for a while. And then, yeah, like a year or two later, we'll just like, oh, I still have this. That's right. Let me check this out again. And, and I get a whole new appreciation for it, a whole different appreciation for it. So yeah. it's it's, yeah. it's a lot of it's wrapped up, I guess, in the uh, circumstances of how you listen. and mm -hmm. Yeah. I've, I've definitely heard fantastic records and just been in like a bad freaking mood or something and <laughs> just been like, eh, whatever. <laughs> And then, like, I went back yeah. to it and be like, "Oh, I was nuts. This is wonderful." Yeah, and that's a you know, that's a nice feeling too. I mean, it's it's, it's a nice surprise, right? Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, as far as modern listening habits, though, are you <laughs> have you reconciled things that, that you know when people hear uh, the, the songs off Grand Bargain and maybe you know next to like who who knows what else. <laughs> It's gonna like a St. Vincent song and a freaking Queens of Stone Age song and like whatever else. Anything. Anything, you know, just something that has I, nothing to do with you guys. Kind I've kind of reconciled it, but I'm the thing is is that we made a conscious choice with this new record to pretty much record it live and do it old school and I'm a little worried <laughs> that it's a little too it, it freaks me out because um and I didn't think I was totally digitized in my uh, approach to recording music or writing music or listening to music. But I realized that when we're doing things and, you know, continuous takes and burning old takes and, and, and you know, just rewinding the tape and saying, let's, well, we can do it better. And then it's like, then deciding after a take, Oh, is this the best one or can we do a better one? And then 
doing rewinding the tape and trying it again and going, Ooh, I don't think that was as good as the previous one, but not right, having right. it anymore. Right. But instead of recording a song 10 times, listening to it each 10, each of the 10 takes and picking out which one was the best and then yeah. going in. And if there's a little mistake, fixing it digitally, all that kind of stuff, even the little tiny stuff, we didn't do any of that. And so the one thing is, is that there's even, even, you know, kind of like indie rock, whatever you want to call it, alternative music. I don't know what you want to call it. Underground music, <laughs> right. Has, has, has been changed in terms of aesthetics where it's like, Oh, people, even if they're recording, something in their basement they can make it sound perfect mm -hmm. maybe it doesn't mm -hmm. gotcha. sound like it's in a basement but it sounds perfect and that perfection it's kind of like the way the drum machine you know like like how like people when they first heard craft work they thought it was like a satanic ro satanic robot music and now you listen to craft work <laughs> and you go like classic craft work and you go wow this is really funky yeah, right yeah. it's that same thing you get re you get conditioned and we've all kind of been conditioned to this digital perfection and so we've we we went totally old school with the record because I love I love I liked our old record that we did with Steve Daisy Chain Reaction mm -hmm. and since we had re-released it, um, uh, I spent some time listening to it and I was like, oh, there's there's lots of things in here that I would have fixed if we had done right. it, you know, twenty years later. Mm -hmm. And it was like, but it, it's still I like it and it's. <laughs> and I, I don't like it that much. It's hard for me to like, you know, something I've done. What? But what I'm saying is, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. not like the mistakes and everything I hear, though, I know other people like it. And it's like, oh, it, uh, all that stuff that we obsess about, you know, in the digital realm and fix and everything like that, you don't have to fix. And it's actually it's kind of nice to hear these little rough edges or a lot yeah. of rough edges. And so it's like, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it was like, oh, we wanted to kind of embrace that again so working with steve you definitely when i mean we uh yeah made a conscious choice was like okay we're gonna do this like we did 25 years ago which is like go in and record over a weekend and then record a little more of it we had a little bit more time but it wasn't that much more time than we had recorded daisy chain reaction yeah. you know 25 years earlier and pretty much the same kind of setup and um and so that's the one thing i think about this new record is like oh it's not it's not perfect. And it's, and so when somebody does hear it compared to other stuff, it may not, it, it, all I worry about is, is there's, there's a level of roughness you can get to that people will still say, Oh, it's cool. It's live and everything like that. But it still has that 21st century perfection. Right. Yeah, right. And then there's, Oh, we're, we're, this is us playing in a room and this is what we sound like. And you know, I only did the vocals in a few takes and it's like, if some of them are off, they're off. And, and, but it's like, so everyone is so used to now, uh, the perfection of digital. I, I wonder, you know, how, how people react to it. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I, I think That's, back to the, to, on that same note, like that f very first breeders record, there's uh, one of the songs, like there's, there's a point, um, it's a very like naked part of the song and like Kim's voice cracks. And like it, and it's yeah. it, it to me. It makes the song because it's such a badass song. But oh man, that's like, like such a real like moment that like yeah. works so well for yeah. the song that like if somebody had went back yeah. and like oh yeah we got to redo that again like your voice totally like did yeah. that thing there and smooth it over and all that and, and it just, that would not that would not have made yeah. that record the same for me yeah and, yeah exactly and so it's, it's that balance trying to find that balance of you know keeping it keeping it real. <laughs> but uh not not uh, but also like 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 ooh that's a little too real 
Dude. You know, it's kind of like <laughs> hashtag keep it real. Hashtag real yeah. talk. <laughs> well, and and that's something that, uh, and of course, you recorded this one with Steve, right? Uh, at uh, at Logical yeah. Audio, which yeah, how was? I mean, you've when you recorded Daisy Chain, was that did he have electrical yet, or was that, no, that was still CRC. okay? No, yeah, yeah. We and actually some of it was recorded in his his home studio oh, right. Right. Sure. Uh, on Daisy Chain, yeah, because we did demos at his home studio and then when we recorded the full all, all the songs demos. again yeah, yeah, <laughs> demos, exactly yeah. Um, just to see what they sounded yeah, because you had to go into the studio, see what they sounded like recorded, and so we went yeah. into Steve's home studio before we were ready to, yeah, to, before we went into the big expensive studio with Steve. <laughs> and yeah, but then at the end of the day, after, at the end of the recording sessions, we listened back to all the songs and it was like a few of them sounded better when they were recorded at Steve's house. So yeah, mm-hmm. but, but it, uh, anyways, what was your question about? Oh, so you recorded, <laughs> then and now. I was basically asking if since you recorded this one electrical audio, if it was like a return to electrical audio for you or is it just a return to working with Steve? And it sounds like the latter. Yeah, uh, definitely a, a return to working with Steve. Yeah, because um, we hadn't worked. I mean, we had done a few more things after Daisy Chain, like um, some like weird singles and covers and stuff at his house. But yeah, I don't think we recorded with Steve since yeah, like '92. Probably, we probably was the last time we recorded or '90. Well, it would have been '91. Yeah, '91 or '92 we recorded mm-hmm. with Steve. So yeah, it was definitely a return to that. Um, and Rose had been, Rose had taken, she teaches a music or a bunch of music business classes. And so she had been up to electrical a few times to, uh, her students, we get to do a project at electrical and, um, but yeah, to actually record with Steve, we hadn't done that. Yeah. For 25 years at least. Yeah. It's a pretty decent stretch there. <laughs> it is, but it, it, we kind of fell into it. It was really, it was really great. I mean, it we got along natural, with yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah, and so um, we all we all get along, and and uh, and I think I think that's the thing is we always knew what Steve was about. I think anytime someone ran into a problem working with Steve, it was because it was like, oh, we're going to make Sergeant Peppers with Steve Albini, and it's like <laughs> that's the wrong no. guy to pick for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, you're you're you, that's 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 you're you're confused on on multiple concepts, right? And so <laughs> that's the thing is it's like, oh yeah, we want to. We want to capture the band as is, and I, and I was obsessing about uh, the records, the record like the Blue Mask, Lou Reed's The Blue Mask, mm-hmm. which is it's a great record, um, and it was recorded live in the studio, only a couple takes, and then there are a few songs that have overdubs, and um, but it's it's you know Robert Quine's in one channel and Lou Reed's in another channel, and then they got the bass and the drums, and it's just it's just that yeah. right, and so it's it's that idea. And it's kind of like, well, if we're going to do, try to kind of go that direction, um, it's like Steve's the obvious person to do that with. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that again, you mentioning the just like the type of record you wanted to make, which is you know was was very much just making an immediate and live sounding because it largely you guys playing live record of your band in a room in a position of the band is not really a band that people have been able to see in a room for the most part <laughs> in quite some time mm-hmm. for, for some folks. Yeah. 
that that's kind of an interesting way to uh, kind of like come back with a with the new recorded material in that way. And, and again, the the immediacy of the of the material I think lends itself well to that arrangement. Yeah. Again, like there's no sousaphones. <laughs> And like nobody's <laughs> exactly. nobody. nobody uh, I, I haven't listened to it that much. I don't hear a glockenspiel yet, so I don't know if uh, <laughs> this those timpani overdubs yeah. are real, real down low in the mix. Yeah, really low in the mix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only the only song is the the last song has has some overdubs and and there's a little more little more is going on. But yeah, for the most part, and that's the thing that that reminds me though is that uh, like us in a room together and and even that. Um, I mean, that was one of the big differences working on this record was um, for the for most of the career or the time of the band when we were making records, it's the way we wrote songs is we all got into a room together and we just started playing and people would bring in riffs and stuff and we would just basically jam, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. not in the jam band sense, but yeah, kind of. <laughs> just in go, that man, sense. just then, feel it. <laughs> and then <laughs> we would structure it and then I'd put lyrics over the top, but now that again that we're all older and have families and jobs that idea of spending a whole weekend working on one song or spending a whole day working on one song we couldn't do that really because hmm. it would have taken years for us to get 12 songs done so we actually the the live recording thing was you know kind of going back to the past but us writing songs was a little different where it was like jim jim would make would work on riffs and I would work on riffs and we'd share them and everybody listened to them. And then we'd kind of like Rose and Jim and I would work on, uh, some music ideas. And then, then we'd get Matt when we'd have time with Matt, the drummer, and then we'd, we'd flesh it out as a song. But so the actual writing process was, was kind of a lot different than, um, we were used to. So that was, that's the one thing is it it <laughs> the recording was very much the live band recording thing, but the writing was yeah. a lot different from what we uh, used to do. Um, even though it winds, it winds up the same, it's just that instead of us working out like, yeah. So instead of like uh, Rose and Matt sitting there while Jim and I spend an hour working out guitar parts <laughs> and they're just staring, you know, daggers at us while we, <laughs> we mess around. It's like Jim and I would sit by ourselves together just yeah, the two of yeah. us working out our guitar yeah. parts so then then when we, we we actually had to um yeah figure everything out it, it wasn't wasting as much time so yeah well that's and that's fascinating because i mean do you feel like it brought out different aspects of the band uh, in, in in a way like do you feel like you made choices you wouldn't necessarily have made uh, just by given the luxury of, of like time for arrangement that you would have, you know, maybe like made choice, some choices based on like more an instinct or something that you wouldn't have, that you didn't make this time or vice versa. I think, I think there's, yeah, I think it, it, the, the, this new record's a little more guitar noodly, like or guitar sort of the origins. I mean, towards the end of up until like, you know, from the, late 19 or the the mid 1990s to early 2000s i think a lot of our songs wound up starting from bass and drums actually because yeah. it was all kind of like <laughs> they would just start playing and then jim and i would add stuff over the top and sometimes i'd bring in a riff or jim would bring in a riff but it was more um you know kind of built out of rhythms and so this one even though it's still really rhythmic the new record there's there's more stuff that originated with guitar 
noodling again, which is kind of like the older stuff too. I think Daisy Chain had more guitar noodly stuff yeah. in it too, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely Riff, hear that. Like so. making about a song like 21st Century. Yeah, it's like obviously, yeah, you know, rhythm section song, and this, yeah, this feels more like, yeah, more like, yeah, more, 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 more riff based, man. Yeah, yeah, and that said, so the song Grand Bargain, right? That's definitely like Rose and totally. Matt yeah. started playing, <laughs> and then Jim and I started playing over the top, and so that's like a that was that just happened in rehearsal. So that's like a like a classic old kind of the way we used to do stuff, where it's just like something just happened, and then we. We'd, we'd make a song out of it, whereas right. we don't have the luxury of time of, of hoping that happens 12 times or whatever <laughs> songs right, we right. need, right? Yeah. So it, there's got to be a little more uh, work done ahead of time where it's like, oh, here's a bunch of riffs. So which ones work, which ones don't, and everything like that, which I think is more normal. I think it's what normal bands do, right? I don't know. You're, you're, I don't know. you're not asking the right guys on what normal no. bands do. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. And in very different band. ways, you're not asking the right guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. I don't know if yeah, there is, is a normal, normal band, band yeah. situation anymore. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what is normal? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just, yeah. It, <laughs> no, there are lots of different types. Yeah, and so that's the thing is, we, yeah, the there's. I think a normal band is like one person writes all the songs, right, and forces everybody else to play them. That's that's what a normal band is. But that to me is not a. That's not normal. That's not a band. <laughs> now, do they have like a gun, Phil Spector style? Because uh, that, right. that would be, they're forcing them to play it. I mean, that's. Uh... Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I don't even understand how that works. <laughs> well, so I. I Grand Bargain is uh, we're just going to dance away from that by the way as, 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 as the autocrat of this group um, right, right I don't force exactly. anybody to do anything they don't want to do god that's damn true. it uh, right that's a wordy song I, I, if I recall I think the uh, the, I, the first, I think it was the first time I saw you play it you had a very long cheat sheet to uh, sing that one because yeah. uh, it's just yeah. there's, there's a lot of lyrics there's a lot of words that happen in there yeah uh, you're reminding me that I'm gonna have to remember all the words again <laughs> so <laughs> it's been it's been a while this since... horrible sinking feeling yeah it's, it's been a year since i've sang it so like in live so now it's like oh we're gonna start rehearsing again it's like oh great i'm gonna have to remember all those words <laughs> you know music stands good eight dollars and just <laughs> it's yeah better than somebody like looking... cheating ah, yeah it's certainly better than somebody looking at their phone which i've totally seen Ooh. it bums me out <laughs> I don't know why it doesn't bum me out if somebody has a sheet of paper and it's on the ground but like if somebody has a phone I'm like no don't do that I don't know why it's like it's just an arbitrary thing it's like a sandals and shorts on stage thing like notes for for a speech versus a teleprompter yeah I guess I don't know I don't know what it is yeah Uh, where's it going with that oh yeah so (laughs) was, was that ever a concern when you were writing this record of thinking about how these songs uh, would come across live and like where were the things that you, I mean, again, as you mentioned, there's not a lot of overdubs. There's not like, you know, crazy like three part harmonies or anything along those lines necessarily, but there's like some stuff that was it a consideration for what the live presentation would look like as to uh, the composition and arrangement for these songs. Yeah, definitely not for this record. I mean, it really was that we were trying, it, it was kind of my, intent at least from the beginning and i think everybody was on board with it was like to make the songs more um live songs rather than um 
make a record, you know, a production, right? Right. And so I think all our choices were based on that as like, oh, we're going to play this with our guitars. We're not going to, and even like, oh, I'm not going to use an octave pedal and I'm not going to use this and I'm not going to use that because that's always, I, I guess there were considerations where it's just like, oh, the more, like I'm even just thinking about that now. I, yeah, again, I was just in conversation with somebody where it's like, ooh, that's right. I Again, the mesthetics. So seeing um, Anthony from the mesthetics and oh, all his right. pedals and everything like that, and we were talking about the whammy pedal, and I used a whammy pedal for a lot in the 90s or something, mm -hmm. and it's like, mm -hmm. oh, and we didn't play a lot of those songs the last time we, we played shows when the Daisy Chain reissue happened, and it's like all of a sudden I was like, oh, crap, I'm going to have to, I'm probably going to have to have an octave pedal again, but I did make conscious choices about my pedal setup and everything. Like, let's keep it simple. Let's not let make it where I'm, I'm, because I get I, I I I understand the pedal thing, and and I <laughs> I I get into effects and everything like that. Yeah. Um, but it's like I also know that um, I I start getting really really freaked out if I have a lot of pedals, and then one if one goes down, that kind of you know you lose you lose a song or right. you, you yeah. can't play part of your set. And it's just like, Oh, okay, let's, let's, it was kind of a back to basics thing. And so I think the songs themselves just lent them to being, um, for the most part songs we could play live and we did play live and we practiced them because we were going to record them live. We, we kind of knew that they would be songs that could be played live. Again, sure. that last song on the album safe tonight. I don't know if I can really, truly play that and sing it at the same time and it's a quiet song and that always freaks me out and so it's like that's going to be a big discussion where it's like oh that song's a little more studio-ish you know and quiet right and i don't know if i can i can i, I can pull it off i guess but you also <laughs> have a very rich least. and deep back catalog that people want to hear the old songs as well yeah. so it's not like you yeah. are like oh no we're not gonna have we're not gonna be able to fill the hour you know we're not <laughs> Yeah, you don't have yeah. like that consideration. That's true too. Uh, yeah, no, not to dissuade you from from playing it. I'm saying, I'm just saying, that, like it's it's a, it's a good place to be in. That like oh, you know that, good. yeah. That'll be a strategy I have if it comes up in the rehearsals. It's like, what about that song? It's like, oh, we got a lot of older songs we can do. <laughs> but I also want to challenge myself. You know, it's like I feel like sometimes I'm a wuss, so it's like I should, you know, try try to, yeah. You always want to try to push it a little bit. Well, and yeah. that's yeah, Keep that's on edge. That that's kind of uh, that's where I live, man. I live on the edge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I feel like that you can get some fascinating results that way, and I think that that's a uh, well. In that same vein, that you know, when you first uh, again first rival Dickens, then uh, thought detecting machines. That was like a a fascinating uh, thing at first. That was was definitely from the outside perspective was. I don't necessarily know if it's outside of your comfort zone, but it was certainly outside of like what I expected uh, things to be as a comfort zone. Yeah. Like, wow. This is, it's like the same, but different. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely, yeah. It's definitely, yeah. I was thinking about that. Yeah. It's definitely outside comfort zone. Lots of stuff. Yeah. Just being by myself, singing, lots of, lots of technology that could mm -hmm. go wrong. It's, it's all, yeah. All that kind of stuff. It's all my fears. Yeah. <laughs> Wrapped into one thing. Yeah. And not even having, real amps necessarily even like having everything like be modeled right. and like having, yeah. you know, basically yeah. abandon a briefcase sort of situation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Going, 
fully conceptual and seeing, yeah, seeing if I could survive. Yeah, yeah, I was definitely testing myself. I was going to yeah, say, yeah. It sounds like it was pretty solidly outside your comfort zone in a, <laughs> in a certain way. But Oh, yeah, no, definitely. But the results definitely. are great, and also, I, I, while it's reminiscent of, of, for obvious reasons, of a lot of the poster children's stuff or, uh, and Sourdough Man and whatnot, like, it definitely has its own feel and its own aesthetic. Mm. A very strong aesthetic, I might add, especially with the the records and the uh, the presentation yeah. as over the top as it as it is with the the packaging yeah uh, almost designed to to shame other bands for the lack of effort that they put things into uh, <laughs> that well, it's uh, funny you interpret it that way yeah 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 it's yeah, funny no, right yeah no. i wonder why uh, <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> you do but, find you do find with your everyone yeah but it it, it, it was such a cool thing yeah. to like have like such a unified aesthetic for something that kind of um Again, in that same way, drawing an allusion to uh, when you mentioned like Kraftwerk just sounding like kind of funky now, and then at the time being like, uh, you know, I, Devil Robot Men, I think you called them. I can't remember exactly what the <laughs> characterization was. Yeah. But yeah. I remember like first time I heard it, I was like, oh, it's Rick, and it's it's poster children esque. But it's like, no, it's like it's got a it's got a different feel to it. Like it's coming kind of almost from a different place, and it's pretty fascinating to me to kind of see your creativity. <laughs> That way, I wasn't surprised necessarily, but I was definitely impressed that you managed to kind of develop a new way of uh, channeling your creativity that way. And that was before ever seeing like the live act, which again, I've never seen a band play out of a suitcase before, uh, which was doubly impressive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that was even, yeah, my original idea was just, just have like actually kind of go back to craft work when they would do the pocket calculator thing and they just have the little devices. Like my original idea, I had this great little what is it called? The Yamaha QY100 or something. It was like this weird band in a box thing where you could plug a guitar into it, but then it just had like, you could do drum beats and background music and everything like that. So I just have this little tiny box, even smaller, but yeah, I couldn't get it that small, like super minimal, but that, that would have been very scary. I, I'd love to do that sometime though. That, that's another thing as I just remembered, it was like, wow, I was going to try to do something where I would just be standing with a little tiny box and singing oh, <laughs> and, <wow>. and <laughs> super minimal songs, you know, like go super minimal. And I, I, I couldn't do that, but maybe I should try to do that. Yeah. yeah at some point it almost it's becomes really like frightening. a conceptual, like performance art piece or something, yeah. I guess. Right. It's exactly, exactly. Which, yeah, very few people will tolerate, but I, I, I <laughs> love to explore that kind of stuff. You know, I, I, I but that's fine. I, I'm going to kick him right out of here. I'm not going to tolerate this. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like hearing about, you know, you hear about like suicide, the band suicide. Yeah. And yeah. Like yeah. How yeah. People hated them, you know, and it's like, Oh, it'd be so great to, you know, do something, you know, on that level where it's just like, it's, it's great, but people hate it, you know? And, but yeah, I don't, <laughs> no, I, I, don't I, think, I, I don't think I'm cut out for that. You know, it's like, I'm not, I'm not that aggressive. Right. <laughs> I'm, I I still want to be loved at some point by someone, you know. I don't want it to be just complete hate and someone twenty years later saying, "Oh, that was that was amazing," you right, know. Right. But I definitely did. I did think of some of that though when I would, I would be reading about like some of the early, um, like British bands, like like uh, early um, uh, uh, Human League or things like that, where it's very oh, pointed. Right. Like, yeah. this is all. These are all machines. This is and that kind of like that kind of uh, high wire act. Almost of just like this yeah. is still rock and roll, but it's the context is is not what you're expecting out of a rock and roll band. Yeah, 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 and I yeah I love that era and that idea and yeah the 
specifically like Heaven Seventeen and Human Human League yeah. and mm-hmm. um, Fad Gadget, yes. stuff like that. It's just wow. like the weird like I remember that name in a little, while. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I just I can't remember why I heard something by them recently. Hmm. It was great. It just came back up like like I was like oh yeah Fad Gadget yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow it must have been in a TV show or something they had like a song and it was like oh my god oh, yeah. wow yeah <laughs> yeah I wish I could remember what it was but anyways yeah 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 that era I love that era the the kind of and that's the thing is uh, that was even at uh, what was it yeah was it two years ago three years ago at PRF when uh, Janet. Um, from, oh, from uh, the Mekon. Oh, yes. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. What was that called? And, uh, Gosh. Uh, uh, what's, yeah. It was that. It was the big uh, alley pun. Yeah. 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 Uh, where they they had the drum machine and the right. they were doing their yeah where it was just like oh wow this is this is totally up my alley where it's like not only the two people singing in a drum machine but then also like the full on yeah like kind of like socialist yeah, communist kind of, kind of right. look and feel yeah it was like oh. That's that's perfect. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, that was badass. That was uh, I, that was definitely, and it was, it's awesome because even even amongst the PRFs, like when there when there's a ton of bands too, it can be really hard just from a you know even if you're as engaged as you can be and you're well rested, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it can be a lot to take in. So when you have something that's oh, a breaker like yeah. that, that's that's a little a little different. Let's yeah. go ahead and say like, it's definitely all a the little. more memorable. Yeah. A little different, <laughs> a little different as it turns out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it becomes all the more memorable to be like, Oh wow. That was bonkers. You know, so the, the, for me in the thunder snow this last year, that was a radic retaliator strategy, uh, who I first of all loved. Secondly, their presentation was utterly ridiculous. There was the, the guy that had like a robber mask on and a shirt right. that says, listen to Kate Bush, yes. I think is what it yes. said. Yes. It did. <laughs> And the guitar player looked like. <laughs> uh, I feel like we described this on the show already once, but I'm I'm gonna do it again. We probably had, did right after. He, the, he had the 412 that like was missing a speaker, but instead of it being empty, it just looked like it had been boarded up, like as it had been enclosed for business. <laughs> you know, that just. <laughs> yeah. Like every part of their presentation was like, "This is like, what is this? This is a mess." But it was fa- it was utterly fantastic. It was great. And those those dudes yeah. like played beautifully together. Their freakish, weird ass music, and mm-hmm. like it absolutely caught my attention and fired up my imagination in, mm-hmm. in, the, in that same sort of way. And by the way, that guy that guy is an amazing acoustic speed rapper as well, which I found out later at the acoustic really? jam in my room. <laughs> yeah, good gravy. I was, wow. my mind was blown a second time over. <laughs> <laughs> like he was playing at some, uh, the, uh, he had the acoustic guitar. It came to him, and he was he was rapping, and it was very skillful and quick. Wow. And I was like, what is even going on right now? <laughs> I don't even know what's happening. Because I didn't, the one guy I didn't recognize because he didn't have his mask on. Right. <laughs> the other guy I didn't get that good of a look on. So, yeah, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is different is cool. And so, yeah, oh, yeah. With thought detecting machines, the that fact was, that you that don't. Was... Go, go ahead, sorry. No, no, but that, that's what was great about that era is like once, once punk rock started shattering and everything like that, is, yeah, that, that, that's what I really like about that late seventies, early eighties, I guess it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no way, but also just, you know, post post punk era is, is yeah, everything kind of blew apart. And then, yeah, there was so much weirdness and, uh, idiosyncrasy. Right. And then everything kind of locked down again. Yeah. There were a few few years there where, where punk rock really meant punk rock was anything. Yeah. It was almost like they're having a rule book defined. Yeah. 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 And then like, I, I find that that's, 
you know that that's something I still harken back to and 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 uh, admire to this day. Like the fact that you know I, I love everything about the band Lardo, not the least of which is like they would sound like a conventional like '90s Chicago noise rock band, except for the guitar sounds like a broken computer that's uh, <laughs> you, you know been beamed out from like the Mars Explorer and like broken up in transmission, and like that's such a fantastic hook for me that you know of course it helps that the songs are good as well yeah. but i just feel like yeah. there's there's yeah not, yeah it's th- there's something and there yeah yeah and and like and, yeah. and and there's something that's kind of like that's like a, a objectively wrong maneuver to do that uh, in that objective wrongness brings out something new to the genre and i i always find that fascinating yeah and it's also knowing when to do that right so that's that's the thing is like to me like the greatest you know, it's like when when you see a new artist show up and, and they're doing all the wrong things, but at the right time. It's like, oh, this was wrong up until a year ago. And then all of a sudden yeah. you realize that it was time to do it again or do do this slightly off thing that is reminiscent of, of something that people didn't like before. But then all of a sudden you're reinventing it or whatever. And it's like that, that timing thing too, where it's like, Ooh, a year ago, if somebody was doing this, it would be, it would, I would be offended. But then all of a sudden this person has just presented it as new tweeter. And it's, yeah, it's like, Oh wow. You just, you know, I wish I had thought of that. Yeah. I like yeah. that stuff too, but I thought it wasn't cool anymore. I, I just <laughs> had forgotten about it. And then all of a sudden you, you dust it off and rewire it. And it's like, Oh man, that's great. Like all those bands. I forgot I loved yeah, I guess like all those bands that discovered entertainment and solid gold and, and kind of like did their Andy Gill thing, but kind of like tied to more conventional pop music. And like, we're, it was like, oh, yeah. you And then I was like, wait, you got you guys like music that sounds like this too? Like, <laughs> yeah. you, you couldn't stand it when I was playing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Good for them. That's awesome. It's the wrong time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so then... Uh, and all this conversation started, of course, because we started talking about thought detecting machines. When you're when you're composing the thought detecting machine stuff, like what what's what's your creative process for that? Like how how do you build things up song ways? You like, kind of have song ideas first, and kind of build like the rhythm structure. Do you start off with like the drum beat and move up from there? Like what's what's how is that composed? Since yeah. there's a bandmates to play off of. Yeah, it's well, yeah, it was really hard because that was the thing is like, yeah, I had, had, hadn't finished a song in like 20 or something years yeah. because of this, what I was talking about before is like, Oh, we just all work on, like I'd bring in a half baked idea and we'd work on it or somebody else would bring a half baked idea. So then all of a sudden when it's myself, I have tons of half baked ideas. It's just, then I have to finish them. You have to finish so, making them. <laughs> yeah. And so I've just done, I, I've played a, a lot, you know, uh, uh, this program reason propeller heads reason and just goofing around with that. And I have 15 years of screwing around with that. And then these little boxes and little synths and then, you know, weird guitar things that don't make sense for poster children. And so it's just, I just have a huge archive of half baked ideas. And so it's just like, Oh, this half baked idea. Let's, let's, yeah. Like you said, like I'll bake it. And (laughs) so I just sit there and I just add stuff to it. So it might be a guitar riff. It might be a, a little, drum machine thing it might be a little synthesizer thing and then that it's it's always yeah just a a loop or a riff and then building from that 
So yeah, and then trying to finish it. And again, it's the same thing as with Poster Children. As I, I don't think I've ever written lyrics or a melody before music. I, can, mm. I can't. Yeah, I know I haven't because yeah. I, I don't. I don't think I can do that. <laughs> I, I, and I don't think I've ever written lyrics before I've had a melody, and I've never written a melody before I've had music. And so, it definitely works the same way. Where it's just like, oh, okay, now I got to figure out is okay. This is a neat little instrumental sounding thing. Can I sing over it or not? Right. And so that's what's happened. So I, I just finished up a new talking or new t- uh, thoughts detecting machines uh, record, and it's it's a little different because it's half instrumental and half mm. okay. vocal. Because I decided, oh yeah, no, I don't have to. I don't have to put lyrics on everything. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It's it's not like. Uh, there isn't a supervisor that's going to like dock you pay if you don't put <laughs> yeah, vocals on exactly, it. or even someone else. Exactly, another other another band members like isn't that going to have right? Not going to have words. The computer will not look at you reproachfully. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I can, and it makes it easier, especially if I if I'm flipping having to write twelve poster children songs, lyrics for twelve poster children songs, and then I've also got thoughts detecting machine songs. Mm-hmm. Like the less. Less lyrics I have to write, the better, because that's definitely a painful process. That is a potential record cover, though, is you could be just on one side kind of thranging away and the computer kind of anthropomorphized could be looking at you like with disdain or just like with disapproval. (laughs) True. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. This guy. Let's see how to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Machine learning, artificial intelligence. It's just, yeah. It's, yeah. It's learned just, just enough to be a dick at practice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because you know that's what it would be, right? Oh, of course. Because it's like, all right. Yeah. Like we, we've got the entire, uh, we've got the entire repository of, of human knowledge available at our at our fingertips and like what do we look it up for what was the name of the mom and malcolm in the middle you know like <laughs> like of then, course yeah, that's what's gonna having be. that repository of all information as as a member of your band as this kind of artificial intelligence and so yeah it would just be the most cynical band member who's just like it's oh that sounds like this uh, i've heard that so many times yeah, yeah. exactly that riff has been used approximately 2,742 <laughs> times, Rick. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You probably first heard it in 1987 when... <laughs> I, feel like we're, I feel like we're pitching a TV show now, by the way. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some prestige television yep. channel, for sure. Do you guys watch Westworld? I do. I, I, I've, not, uh, the, I, I've not seen all the most the, recent episodes, but I do, I do like it quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, because they're, they're getting into that some of that stuff, the... More, yeah. I, I, um, I, li- I do like it yeah. that, like, smart, what, what, what would be thought of as, like, more academic-oriented creativity has kind of become cool, in a way. Like, in, mm. in the fact that these heady sort of, um, like, I don't know if you're, are you, are you, do you watch Black Mirror at all? Have you seen any of those? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love the fact that it's basically like an update on, like, the sort of Twilight Zone-style anthology show. Uh, yeah, and of course the the conceit is you know that it's all technological oriented. Okay, cool, cool. But it's 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 taking like a familiarized trope and kind of uh, bringing it into the modern age without it being necessarily you know a cover band act. Like it's mm. not like an Aerosmith cover right. band <laughs> version of Twilight Zone. Or it's not like when they redid the Twilight. Right, they did a second yeah. Twilight Zone series in the eighties or oh, something. Yeah. Right, that yeah. that's the yeah where it's just like oh. We're just doing the same thing, same except stuff, huh? updated. Right, whereas yeah. this is, yeah, 
Yeah. And even, yeah, I guess the Twilight Zone movie was like that, where they just took old episodes and made yeah, it into We made yeah, some whereas, episodes, yeah, right? So, if I remember yeah. correctly, it's been a while. But. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah I, at yeah. least they had like, there, there was at least there was something of an improvement there where, you know, the original, you know, episodes weren't directed by like Joe Dante and Steven Spielberg. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, but I, I like the fact that, oh, I was going to say that, like, I like the fact that there's a, a niche. Even I like that there even is a niche with an audience for stuff that isn't exactly, you know, the, the, the and this might be the other side of, of thinking about this lowest common denominator uh, infotainment that's like, that seems to be like so prevalent and, 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 and uh, popular is the fact that there is these immediate avenues for uh, consumption of the of this content, that's um, you kind of makes you think, or like maybe it's kind of messed up, yeah. or it's kind of weird and crazy, or and kind of like in the same ways that films I feel like used to challenge. Like I mean, first time I saw Racerhead, I was like, "What the hell did I even just see?" <laughs> and I really, yeah, you know, you know, yeah, that's really interesting because yeah, I think that because this was my big frustration. I remember, I, I mean, Wes Anderson's great, but when I saw Rushmore and it was being sold as like an independent film, and it was like that to me is not. Indie film. Yeah, That's right. just somebody. It, it's 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 a great movie, but it's it's on the level of a great like John Hughes movie or something. It's there's nothing about it that's necessarily uh, upsetting or disturbing or underground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just that oh the people you used to make movies like that. Uh, major motion picture companies, you know, uh, would make make a movie like that. Absolutely. But now they don't want to because there's no money in it. So that now that's an independent film. But like, independent films stop being super super weird. But then when you're talking about yeah, like television now and everything like that, it's because the audience is so um, segmented. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Where it's like yeah, even just like thinking about that le- the most recent season or that last season of Twin Peaks, where it's just like oh, yeah, I, I am just. <laughs> Regardless, yeah, of how weird and everything is, it's just so amazing that somebody paid for this, right? Yeah. And yes. and it's yeah, like, <laughs> absolutely. And, and it's because oh yeah, you don't need to all of a sudden with television or whatever it is, streaming and you know narrative content, you don't have to um, get uh, uh, a million or two million or ten million people watching it, and so therefore you have to do that lowest common denominator. It is actually kind of like there, there's all of a sudden there is room for some more weirdness and uniqueness yeah. to, uh, in a more, you know, as opposed to it just all being, you know, somebody's weird video they made. It could be somebody's weird video they made in the basement though. Right. Who and, knows? And, yeah. It's possible. Yeah. Look at drunk history. Yeah, drunk history was literally just yeah. like a, a thing that was like some, <laughs> some comedian dudes made and they put up on the internet and people loved it because it was amazing. Exactly. And it was the simplest concept ever yeah. is like, let's have a drunk person <laughs> describe a moment <laughs> in history and it'll be reenacted, you yeah. know, as if it was historically accurate with other comedians playing the parts and like mouthing the words. And you know what? I've, I've watched, I'm pretty sure every episode and yep. I love every single one and I always laugh. You know why? Because it's fucking funny. That's why. <laughs> and like, <laughs> and how can you argue with that? You know, like it's 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 yeah. not something that w- would have would have played in 1988 or 1992. I don't know. I don't think they would have let it anywhere near no. the, the television, yeah. right? But yeah. no, because <laughs> yeah, not? if you think about yeah, 1992, yeah, Twin Peaks was insane, and you watch it now, it's like okay, it's it's weird. The original, yeah, you know, but, but it was like pretty oh, tame by comparison. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then that was that was so far out, and yeah, there's no way that anything. 
beyond the pale would have ever seen the light of day or had that much exposure, right. you know, back, yeah, even 20 years ago or 10 years ago. Yeah, and just and, and it's funny to see the, particularly, again, in comparing Twin Peaks, like the little blips of the experimental filmmaking that David Lynch was able to put on TV in 1992 versus yeah. something like episode eight of, yeah. you know, <laughs> right. season three, which is just like, like full-blown, right. crazy experimental hour, like... That's that's yeah. that's that's amazing. Like yeah. one of the craziest movies you've ever seen. Yeah. And it's like just like this yeah. one episode of the show, and like has except with the exception of the first two or three minutes has absolutely nothing immediately to do with the narrative in any way, shape, or form, and is uh, you're unable to turn away from it though the entire time. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, that that episode made it all worth it. It was just like I almost I almost at, there were a couple points where I almost quit, and it was like. After that episode, I was just like, I'm so glad I stayed with it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, definitely, you know, God, like, I mean, I and I love Twin Peaks The Return, but it's basically the equivalent of, like, the didn't we deserve a look at you the way you really are of, of uh, <laughs> television shows. Because when it pays off, it's fantastic. But you're like, oh, my God, really? Like, what is... Can something happen, please? Like, who the, who's this one now? Yeah. What's this one up to? What's, why is she mad at that? You know, oh. Uh, God, <laughs> but the part of like you know the the patience of of sort of the journey becoming the destination becomes mm. uh, part of the viewing experience, and I think that's really really cool and really special. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's any other time that it would exist, and I think that's that's pretty yeah. pretty fantastic. And as as much as like it's very easy to kind of dwell on on dark times and very obvious dark concerns i think it's something that's it's easier to forget about that kind of stuff and i think it's all the more important to kind of point that out and and, and revel in that whenever you can yeah i mean the world's going to hell but we're getting some really good tv <laughs> God damn it. Uh, <laughs> and he's not wrong. He's not wrong. No, no, but yeah. No, it, yeah. It's it's something that's helping me through it. Peak yeah. peak TV. Yeah. So so having nothing to do with peak TV, what, just the, the last thing I want to touch on is the uh poster children listserv was was a very big deal for for a lot of us. It's how it's how I know though Josh, my co host yeah. here. Um you know, there it was a time in the internet where things were you weren't immediately able to connect up with like-minded individuals at like two clicks like it required a little more effort and it's something that kind of defined a lot of uh a lot of different culture for, for a lot of us and was actually a precursor to the electrical audio forums and what then became the prf so now that you have in some fashion first thought detecting machines and then also with poster children been sort of introduced to the prf world i kind of wonder you know what what's your take on like kind of seeing that sort of reflected back at you reflected back at uh you know being not necessarily that it was an active progeneration of uh, of we're going to make this thing it's going to be this self-policing autonomous community of people doing cool things but just to <laughs> see those results kind of uh, move off on their own like what what is that like well i you know i think i just feel like and this has come up a lot. I just really feel like all of us who are in the kind of indie rock world of the eighties and nineties, we were just kind of operating in a precursor of this online world now. And so in a way it's just, I, I guess evidence of 
the idealistic side of all this was was just like, oh, wow, this is a way to build community. Mm-hmm. The Internet, right, mm-hmm. was a way to build community and have autonomy, like you were saying, and have get these people, these people who maybe are physically um, spread out all, all across the nation or across the world. And then they have mutual um, interests and they're able to connect. And so that I mean, to me, it's it's just more about, um, I guess it's it's proof that however bad <laughs> some of the bad sides of of how our whole society has been taken over by the the web you know it's like you see the good part of it which is is the community side of it and how kind of the indie rock punk rock community was was a precursor to that with your fanzines and your your uh bands bands and little tiny clubs or um uh, record stores, independent record stores, and and the, and college radio stations, right? That that whole mm-hmm. network that existed before everybody could communicate on the web, and all those kind of links that people had. Um, seeing the PRF, it's like, oh, this is this is how it manifested itself um, online, right? Is is how that and that the technology actually empowered it, I think, and, and helped it grow and. Yeah made it happen so that's to me when i think of it that's what i think about it's like oh wow this this is this is what the web is good at or the internet is good at right right? or the good part of it is the community part of it right and 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 how that because that was the i mean i think about it all the time and i almost get weepy about it but it was really like i was not that happy of a person until you know i got into college and then i started playing in bands and i met all these people who like the yeah. same weird music as I did. And I got, you know, this guy at the record store, Charlie, the Quaker who, you know, had, all, you know, reviewed all the best records and sold them there. And, you know, all the, the people that kind of hung out at that record store and listened to that same music. And, and that, that, that was when I found my place right in my community. And then seeing, you know, something like PRF, it's the same thing. It's like, Oh, it's, 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 it's a place and it's a community and it's, it's something where people feel connected and they don't feel, you know, isolated, you know, you might feel isolated from the, the outside world or the rest of the world, <laughs> but it's like, Oh, here's a place. Here's, here's a place that's ours. Right. And, and, and we can kind of make our own little, little place for ourselves, yeah. you know, and, and that's, that's magical. And then the, the more dark thing I thought is like, Oh, when the apocalypse happens, that's, that's your, uh, that's your, those are your people, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, Oh Yeah. We're, we're all gonna go. We're all gonna go up to that hotel. Yep. In, you know. Yeah, we'll, we'll be and, camping out in Terrace Bay and uh... camping there. Yeah, yeah, fighting off the zombies or something. You know, it's like you, you've, you've made you've made these these tribal connections, right? That right. that are gonna extend beyond whatever happens um, externally, right? And so that was always the worry: is like, oh, everyone's gonna be isolated. You know, the web is gonna isolate everyone, and I still worry about that. But it's like, well, no, it's it's isolating, but it's also uniting. It's just different, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I think PRF's an example of that where it's like, oh, it's, this is a total, total community built from this technological foundation, but now it's become a, a physical community, right? It's not yeah, just a yeah, virtual exactly. community. Very much so. Um, almost. As soon as we can get that compound going, then it'll be. <laughs> right, exactly. And that's my joke. So this is our, our, our faculty. I teach in a program called Arts Technology, and it's a small faculty, but we always, I, you know, we talk about 
one of the faculty has a farm and it's like, oh yeah, that's where our compound's going to be. And I'm like, not a compound. That sounds like a cult. We're going to be a colony. And so that's, that's my thing is that colony. Right. Cause that's, that doesn't have the negative connotations. It's, it's all the same thing. You're all living, you know, together. Right. It's not a commune, not a compound. It's a colony. Same thing, but it's, it's, totes, uh, not it's a you cult. against the world. And yeah, it's not a cult. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All that kind of stuff. Which of yeah. course is uh, yeah. that those tote bags. Uh, there's, there's one of those on the record cover of the new record grand bargain yeah. by poster children <laughs> yeah. uh, that you can find posterchildren.com. Uh, and in all the normal places, you find things like that. I don't know what's it, what <laughs> Facebook. Uh, there's a there's a Twitter account. There's all this. Look it up. You, ask at your local record store. Yeah, Go ahead. Ask, ask your ask them. Yeah. Ask them and ask them. Yeah. Demand it. Don't just ask them. Demand it. <laughs> yeah. A record store should be able to get the record. Yeah. yeah. One, one would imagine if they right? don't have it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rick, thanks so much, man. It's 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 so great having you on as yeah. always. Thanks, guys. This was lovely, and uh, we'll be uh, we'll be looking after those packages, and you oh, will yeah. you'll hear from my lawyer yeah. if it doesn't arrive in a timely manner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, you should get a should get an email with a shipping with a tracking number soon. All right, go. sounds good. All right, all, all the best, and uh, talk to you later, man. Yeah, thanks, Rick. Yeah, thank you, guys. Uh, there he goes, yeah. Rick Valentin, Everybody, what a great dude. Yes. I'm uh I'm excited to get that record. I, I'm wondering if it's gonna rub before or after I leave for uh for PRF West. <laughs> it's probably gonna show up while you're gone. It, but prob- I, it probably is. But uh, you know, whatever. You'll what have a nice to- little gift waiting for yeah, you. It, it'll, yeah, it'll it'll be something to look forward to when uh, upon my return. Yeah. And uh, I think there's, there's there's nothing wrong with that. I'm, I've, and I have the digital, so I can still listen to it. See, that's there you go. So I, I got that going on for me, which is nice. Yeah, it is nice. It's a nice thing. <laughs> Looking forward to getting my copy. Package tonight, fresh. I was going to say, you, you got a live update about it. That's more than That's most great. people ever get in this life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. Can you hear me now? There we go. There's another. I, I feel like, oh, it's the wrong day. That's I was like, why do I feel like all out of sorts? Oh, the is yeah, because we're not. It's not, it's not the next Tuesday this. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, thank you for listening anyway. Yeah. Uh, the name of the show is Conan and John's Protonic Reversal. You can find all things Poster Children, posterchildren.com. They're on Facebook. They're on Twitter. Do they have an Instagram? I don't know if they got I don't know. Listen to Radio it's Zero. Radio Zero. The first podcast I know of. We didn't even mention Radio Zero. God damn it. It's, I have this. Yeah, we talked whatever. about it before. It's fine. It's too much to talk to with that guy. Podcasts because before there were iPods. I can just have, just have him talk about whatever. I know. <laughs> it's almost like he talks for a living or something. Oh, oh hey. hey. <laughs> I tell you, I tell you. <laughs> RadioNewshow.com for the archives. Uh, normally this show is Thursdays, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Mountain, 5 p.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Hawaii, I think. Sure. Mike Murkowski talking to you. Yeah. Um, Mr. and Mrs. Mean time. <laughs> no show next week. Um, within the sound of my voice. Actually, you know what? Maybe not no show for the next two weeks, now that I think about it. But okay. there's some cool stuff coming up. Uh, stay tuned. I've got 
50,000 watts of time. I think the archives are generally up to date now. Uh, after this one. Well. <laughs> we'll be, yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I guess any, anything else? Any parting messages of, of wisdom and peace, Josh Davis? I'm going to sign off with my usual. I think, yeah, I think we got to. Yeah. Don't let your meatloaf. <laughs> and, of course, as always, catch you later. Can you hear me now? Out on Route 128, dark and lonely. I got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? to my top 10. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. There is no special girl! It's the, it's the end of radio. The last announcer plays the last record. The last what? Leaves the transmitter. Circles the globe in search of a listener. Can you hear me now?
isn't really broadcasting if there's no one there to receive. Got my radio. 